1: makes it so much more interesting for the listener
2: oh yeah welcome to at your service brad young in with you this evening until 11 o'clock listen i i don't know how i'm going to fit in i've got like seven hours of stuff to get to this evening so what i think i'm going to do is just talk twice as fast And see if I can get it all in in three hours. So if you hear me, you know, talking uh, like the old uh, VCRs used to sound when you were fast forwarding them, uh, that's my fault. I own up to it because I got a lot of stuff to get to this evening. Hey, uh, you know, when I sit in here on Wednesday evenings, it's great to have you in the audience this evening. Uh, One of the things that I always enjoy is getting feedback from listeners. So at any time tonight, even if we're doing an interview, which we have a couple of those scheduled for this evening, you can always text in. Our text number, easy to remember. It's the same as the phone line, 314 436 70 And unless we're doing interviews, phone lines are always open because we love to hear from you. That's really what at your service means. And you can listen to a podcast, but you can't interact with it, you can listen to an audiobook, but you can't ask the author questions in the middle of the audiobook. You can't do that. So that's what At Your Service allows you to do, interact with the show. Uh, if you text in, I, I generally will read most texts on the air. Uh, sometimes they contain verbiage that we can't say because of FCC rules. So, you know, if you want to text in, let's go, Brandon, I mean, that would be okay, but not what the people were really saying uh, when uh, Let's Go Brandon went viral. Uh, Also, of course, we're listening, or rather we're broadcasting on 1120 AM, KMOX 50,000 red hot watts. But we're also on FM 98.7, and that's what I listen to when I'm driving around the St. Louis area. So if you're in the immediate St. Louis area, you can always listen to us on 98.7 it's crystal clear. It's fantastic. So you could do that. You could also download the app at odyssey.com. You can listen live at odyssey.com. You can check out the podcasts. We have tons of ways for you to participate in at your service. So uh, one of the things I want to start with tonight is happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday to vice president Kamala Harris. She's 57 years old today. And Ironically, Vice President Harris is celebrating her birthday by inciting churches in Virginia to violate federal tax laws. I mean, what? Normally, you know, if you're it's your birthday, you go out for dinner, you might go and get a massage, you might get some flowers, you might have cake and ice cream. No, Vice President Harris celebrates her birthday by getting churches in Virginia to violate. Section 501c3 of the IRS tax code and break federal law. So let's give it up for Vice President uh, Kamala Harris for <laughs> having a unique way to celebrate her birthday. So as the show unfolds this evening, uh, I'm going to break down the legal issues related to Kamala Harris's, I think it's a blatant violation of federal tax laws, and and she actually issued a video that was sent to over 200 primarily African-American churches in the state of Virginia. To, and she's basically inviting these churches to lose their tax-exempt status because of her attempts to get Terry McAuliffe elected as the governor of Virginia. So I'm going to break down those legal angles for you as the show unfolds. An, another explosive evening, also last night, uh, at the St. Louis County Council meeting, I mean, if you've been keeping up with the St. Louis County Council meetings, they are they are. There's more infighting than an episode of uh, of the Cardassians. I mean, it is just crazy. And so last night was no exception. Another exciting evening. And so joining us, I think at like nine thirty, 930, maybe nine thirty five this evening, will be County Councilman Tim Fitch. He's going to explain the status of the investigation into acting St. Louis County Health Director, Dr. Faisal Khan. And also, when I'm talking to uh, Councilman Tim Fitch, I'm going to talk to you about the Sunshine Law request, very similar to the Freedom of Information Act, but on the state level. I filed a Sunshine Law request today with St. Louis County, so I'll be talking to you about that as well. Uh, We've got so many more issues here to get to, uh, but coming up after the break... The Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, has literally declared war on parents who object to critical race theory being taught in schools. You know, this has been an ongoing issue. And uh, but does A.G. Garland have a conflict of interest here? So we'll talk to Jarrett Stepman from the Heritage Foundation right after this. Brad Young sitting in this evening on At Your Service on KMOX. (laughs) KMOX. You know, undoubtedly, you've been following the story. It's really been across the country, but the focus has been in Virginia. But there's been this explosion of conflict between parents and school boards everywhere, even right here in the St. Louis area, over the teaching of critical race theory in schools. Jarrett Stepman, he's with the Heritage Foundation. He writes for the DailySignal.com. He joins us to to, uh, to discuss the latest news on this. Hey, Jarrett, welcome to X.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me on.
2: Yeah, it's great to talk to you. Uh, I want to talk about Attorney General Merrick Garland's threatening memo in just a moment and, and his conflict of interest. But give us, just kind of give us a summary of the issue that has been rising up for months over this teaching of critical race theory in schools.
1: Yeah, this has become a massive issue in critical race theory. I think something that many Americans probably hadn't even heard of just a few years ago, which is something that kind of originated in deep in the halls of academia uh, many decades ago. But it's really bubbled up, especially in K to 12 education, really throughout uh, major powerful institutions of the United States. It's finding its way into curriculum. And it really what it, what it boils down to is it teaches essentially a, a kind of racial essentialism that our entire American system is systemically racist, that it uh, is inherently unfair. Uh, to my, minorities, that our, our country system is based on white supremacy, and it basically boils down what you are uh, to the color of your skin, which I think to many Americans who, especially I think today, think, well, that's the opposite of what we should be teaching. We should be teaching that we're all Americans, that no matter what your skin color is. And this has really taken hold in a lot of uh, K-12 to education throughout the country, a lot of public schools and public school districts. Uh, it really came to a head, especially in in Loudoun County, Virginia, which has kind of become ground central in this fight, where many parents, especially during this time of of COVID and lockdowns and many schools being shut down, became very aware that this was entering into the school's curriculum. It was into the trainings for teachers. And many parents now have started to push back. They're going to Mm -hmm. uh, uh, school council meetings. They are pushing back uh, really across the country. Uh, I think now you're seeing the, the pushback on the other side where, The powers that be that want to push this stuff on students, on parents, uh, are not happy. that they're seeing really what I would call a democratic uprising from the American people.
2: Yeah, it's interesting, Jared. I had a conversation with a colleague of mine uh, in my law firm uh, just a few months ago. We were talking about critical race theory. And he said, well, isn't that just the teaching of of historical events that involve, that are primarily important to African-Americans? And I pointed out to him that no, really— critical race theory is rooted in Marxism. And because of things that were done a hundred years ago, it teaches today that we're to be divided into groups of the oppressed and the oppressor, just like Marxism uh, uh, segregated individuals into those same types of categories uh, with regard to economic issues. So isn't that the case that critical race theory is simply rooted in Marxism?
1: It it, it absolutely is. And, And you're right that it, It divides us into categories uh that you can't escape it it, based on the color of your skin i mean it's basically telling you if you are not if you are not white in america the system is always against you it's always a rigged system that you can't succeed uh without these theories and on the other hand it tells uh uh, if you're you're young uh, a white student or a person essentially everything you've done is a result of privilege nothing you've done as a result of your own merit or your own hard work or your own failing. And I, I think that's a that's an incredibly, it's a wrong message to be sending, especially when it comes to uh, young people, especially when they're telling essentially schoolchildren uh, that you're essentially bad because of the color of your skin or you're essentially good because of the color of your skin. These are both bad messages <laughs> exactly. to send to kids.
2: Both are equally wrong. And, and, and because parents, you mentioned Loudoun County, Virginia, but the parents there and elsewhere even right here in the st louis area have the gall to actually be concerned about what kids are being taught in school many of them have been labeled now many of these parents rather have been labeled domestic terrorists haven't they
1: it is such a smear and i think that's what really gets to uh the attorney general merrick garland's memo that went out essentially saying that uh saying that the parents have been acting like like terrorists that they've been terrorizing uh teachers they've been terrorizing Uh, schools, which frankly has not been true at all. There was no evidence whatsoever cited that this is actually happening. Obviously, if there are uh, incidents of threats and whatnot, this is absolutely something that should be handled uh, by local authorities if that's the case. But no evidence was actually shown uh, Mm -hmm. in this case. It was simply a very uh, threatening letter from from the Justice Department saying essentially, hey, uh, the FBI is watching you. I think that's a horrendous message Goodness. to be sending, especially because this is civic participation. These are Americans yes. who are concerned about their kids and their kids' future doing the most Americans think possible, which is show up in a public sphere, voice their concern, and, and really care about their children and other children's future.
2: And because of that, they're being labeled domestic terrorists. It's, it's insane. But you mentioned Attorney General uh, uh, Merritt Garland. What did he do a few weeks ago to to address these alleged, and I stress alleged, because I haven't seen any actual threats, but these alleged threats against school board officials.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's basically sent out this memo to people around this country saying that the Justice Department is investigating. It was obviously, I think, uh, a threatening thing. I think it's uh, really interesting, and this is something that popped up with later reports. It's been reported multiple places now that, uh, there's a serious conf- conflict of issue at stake with Merrick Garland, too. As his son-in-law, uh, is the CEO and founder of a company, a Pandora Education, that is promoting a critical race theory uh, materials across the country. It's over 20,000 schools that this has taken place.
2: Well, hold that thought for just a second, because I want to set that up. We're talking to Jared Stepman. He's with the Heritage Foundation. He's a writer for TheDailySignal.com. I read TheDailySignal.com every single day. I don't care if I'm sick in bed, I'm pulling it up on my phone because it is one of the best websites available to clue you in on information that the mainstream media simply doesn't want you to know. So the reason why I wanted to reach out to you, uh, Jarrett, this evening was because you wrote, it, I, it was just an eye-opening piece at the dailysignal.com about an apparent conflict of interest with Attorney General Garland. So explain in more detail, what is this uh, conflict of interest?
1: Uh, it's it's quite incredible. So it's it's uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland, his son-in-law uh, was the founder of of a company, Pandora Education, that's founded in 2017 uh, that promotes materials that are very much critical race theory adjacent. it's very much in line uh, with a lot of these ideas that that we've discussed in, in schools across the country. I mean, they've they've gone out to over 20,000 schools. The, the uh, recent reports show that they've made. Uh, nearly 30 million dollars from various contracts in states around the country again this is this is the attorney general's son-in-law who has a direct (laughs) financial interest in promoting these these materials in schools and at the same time you have the attorney general essentially threatening parents and people who are trying to stop this from getting to schools sending a threatening letter uh, to parents around the country it's amazing that, that the attorney general has not answered for what, to to my mind, is a very obvious conflict of interest, something that he never disclosed uh, and something that I think is a very serious thing. It shows how you know many people, especially in powerful positions like he is, uh, manipulate and gain the system, both for ideological reasons mm-hmm. and in this case, apparently looks like financial.
2: Financial reasons. And so has the White House responded? I mean, basically the way you've laid this out and the information is out there and you've laid it out perfectly it's almost it's just one step short of the attorney general issuing this legal memorandum saying this message was brought to you by panorama.com i mean it was all, <laughs> it was just short of that but by attacking parents who who challenge and speak out against crt in the schools you're essentially promoting crt which his son-in-law sells for a living has the white house acknowledged this conflict of interest?
1: The the White House has said absolutely nothing about this conflict of interest. The only thing that that has happened, there was a letter sent by uh, three uh, senators, Senator Ted Cruz, Senator uh, Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee, basically asking these questions, saying, what is your son in laws financial interest in this? I mean, you know, Congress has a right to know this. This is the Attorney General uh, that is involved in this, something that I think most people see as quite an extreme measure to take, given that there are no real accusations of terrorism or threats, uh, given this really deep financial interest from his son-in-law. I mean, that's a direct connection uh, right there. And so uh, I do hope that there's going to be uh, pressure from uh, many in Congress, I hope, but certainly there hasn't been from the White House. There's been basically crickets on this issue. I mean, they're going to keep with this narrative uh, no matter what. They're not going to answer questions about this. We're talking, uh, so it's important.
2: I'm, I'm sorry. I just wanted to mention to folks, in case they just tuned in, that we're talking to Jared Stepman. He's with the Heritage Foundation, and he's a writer for the thedailysignal.com. Uh, Jared, I- I'm an attorney. Uh, that's my day job. And so when I'm in court representing my clients, a conflict of interest would result in me being dismissed from the case. I mean, the judge would throw me out of the case if I had a financial interest on the opposite side of the legal proceeding. But you mentioned here about pressure being put on the White House. But other than that, is there anything else that can be done in light of this obvious conflict of interest other than putting pressure on the White House to acknowledge this conflict of interest?
1: Well, well, there have been lawsuits as well. In fact, there's a, a group of parents in Michigan that have just launched a, a lawsuit in Washington, D.C., uh, against uh, the attorney general. I, I do think it's incredible. I mean, this is the attorney general of the United States, a man who was uh, for a job on the Supreme Court yes. at one point. Uh, I should have known better in this case. There was absolutely no disclosure. He was basically leaving this uh, quiet until uh, a Freedom of Information Act uh, caught this thing, fortunately. I, I, and, and I hope opened some people's eyes about what is happening here. Uh, but I do think that there are going to be lawsuits as a result of this, uh, because look, I mean, this is a this is a threatening thing to parents. I mean, they're saying essentially the FBI is going to maybe investigate you for doing your civic duty. I think that's the way a lot of people see this. And I I would encourage people to keep going to those meetings, to keep being civically active. Don't allow the Justice Department to scare you into thinking that you know you don't you don't have a right to do this as an American because you do. You're you're not a terrorist. You're you're a concerned citizen. Uh, and that's an important thing that's that's the the beating heart of what makes this country great and what it what it works on and i think that these threats of a, from a federal agency essentially are, are are i think below the office and and i think it's a sad it's a sad statement at the time of what this administration's priorities are
2: i'm just sitting here thinking jared that uh, during the obama administration the irs was weaponized Uh, to challenge the 501c3 status of any not-for-profit corporation that happened to sound even tangentially like it was conservative. And now we're seeing uh, the attorney general's office being weaponized to go against parents, the bedrock of our society, who are interested in the teaching of their children. Now the attorney general's office is being weaponized to go after parents who are concerned about what their kids are being taught in school
1: it's a scary thing the idea that as you said they're weaponizing federal agencies it's 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 unrepublican small r republican in the way that we see our government which should be of limited function certainly from uh the the executive branch this idea that that agencies that are supposed to be independent are are intentionally going after what appears to be political enemies and maybe even for the purpose of financial gain uh, is deeply disturbing. It's disturbing in the function of our republic. It's it, it, In many ways, it seems, I think it should seem, un-American that this would happen. It's unacceptable uh, that this is that this is the ideology of a White House that's willing to do this with these agents to scare Americans uh, into silence.
2: We're talking to Jared Stepman. He's with the Heritage Foundation. He's a writer for the TheDailySignal.com. And, Jared, you're also the host of The Right Side of History podcast, You're the author of the book uh, The War on History, The Conspiracy to Rewrite America's Past. I don't know when you sleep, but uh, at this point, if folks want to follow your podcast or follow what you write, where can they find you?
1: They can find my work at DailySignal.com. We're a multimedia wing of the the Heritage Foundation, which does a lot of good work, a lot of policy. You can also uh, follow my work at my Twitter handle, which is uh, at Jarrett Stepman, uh, and you can follow most of my work there.
2: Fantastic. Jared, hey, thanks so much for sharing your time with us this evening here on X.
1: Thank you very much.
2: Appreciate it. Hey, when we come back from this break, the phone lines are open. What do you think about this, about how parents are being called domestic terrorists because they have the audacity to want to know what their kids are being taught? They want to know if their kids are being formed and shoved into groups to either be classified as being the oppressor or the oppressed based upon things that happened a hundred years ago. Is that really what we want in our race relations today? Or do we want what Dr. Martin Luther King said was that he longed for a day when we were judged not by the color of our skin, but by our character. That's really what we're looking for. And yet critical race theory says we're going to judge you by the color of your skin. It seems to me like that's the opposite direction that we should be going in. 314-436-7900. Phone lines are open. Text lines are open. Uh, at your service means we want to hear from you. Brad Young here in you, in with you this evening on X. Don't go away. Boy, I tell you, the Attorney General of the United States has got a stranglehold. Ha, <laughs> ha. I love working uh, the song titles into the uh, topic just to make the transition. Brad Youngin with you this evening. We've gotten a ton of text messages. I can't even read them all, but I will tell you the funniest text message I've got. And, Chuck, hold on just a second. The funniest one I've received is that Merrick Garland doesn't know about his son-in-law's business like Joe Biden had no idea about Hunter and Burisma. Yeah, that, that nails it. That's exactly the point is, of course, of course they know and when they tell you they don't know, you're being lied to. So uh, uh, keep those texts and calls coming. And, uh, Chuck, you've uh, you've got some ideas on this. Welcome to X.
3: Thank you very much. I enjoy the conversation, but I, I do have a point I want to make, and I'm going to get off the line.
2: Well, no, I um, actually want to talk to you after you make your point, Chuck. I enjoy okay. that. So make your point, and then we'll discuss it.
3: Here's my concern. I know and understand the concept of critical race race theory. But my concern is that why are we leaving out the concept of teaching black history and other mm-hmm. minority histories in the context of US history? See mm-hmm. the problem is is that when you bring that up, everybody automatically assumes that you're talking about critical race theory. And that's not what a lot of the curriculum is wanting to do. A lot of curriculum is wanting to add these concepts And not just talk about—and I use black history in the context because I'm African-American male, and I teach history. And too many of the history programs that we have talk about slavery, the Civil War, and then we go to civil rights. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot lot. of information that is being missed that that is American history. You
2: are exactly right. And you know what? Not only are you right, but Condoleezza Rice today said almost verbatim, Chuck, what you just said. And what folks need to understand, regardless of which side of this issue they're on, is that do we need to teach more history that's inclusive of, of minorities or African-Americans in particular? You bet we do. But when that teaching, when that teaching, though, veers into, the which is what critical race theory does, as you know, when it veers into... You, Mr. Fifth Grader, who are sitting in this chair, you are either the oppressed or the oppressor based upon the color of your skin. That's where the critical race theory movement loses me, because that's not the teaching of history. That's the teaching of prejudice.
3: Exactly. And I don't disagree with that, but I think too many people are trying to lump both of them into the same category, and that's where you get these back and forth arguments. Mm Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying?
2: I applaud you for being a history teacher. Listen, I had uh, three kids. Uh, uh, my my youngest just got out of high school, and uh, t- teaching kids history, it must be a monumental chore, my friend.
3: I've been teaching for almost 20 years. I teach special education history at the high school level. So it's fun, exciting, all of the above. Everything in between
2: <laughs> <laughs> well God bless you my friend. I appreciate you. your your service because really you're in the trenches when you're teaching high school you're in the trenches so thank you yeah, very much is, and uh, and I appreciate fun. yeah and I appreciate you calling in this evening here on Camo X. Thank you so very much mm-hmm. good night uh it, he is exactly right and that's really where education comes into play. listening to shows like this on Camo Because if one side, like, for example, I kind of referenced this when I was talking to Jared Stepman earlier. I was having this conversation several months ago with one of uh, one of the people in my law firm, and we were talking about critical race theory. And he he suggested, isn't that just the teaching, the more inclusiveness of the teaching of history? And I said, no, it isn't. It isn't. So a lot of times folks on the left don't understand that uh, the distinction between the two and nor do people on the right. So do we need to be teaching more history that it's inclusive of minorities? Of course. But once that teaching of history veers into categorizing people today based upon the color of their skin, that's just as wrong as as in the 50s when African-Americans couldn't eat at the lunch counter that was reserved for whites only. Those two things are the same because you're still categorizing people based upon the color of their skin that's wrong. It's wrong morally. It should be wrong legally. And yet, as these parents are trying to, uh, to stop that teaching of, of categorizing people based upon the color of their skin, they're called domestic terrorists. You know, I, I was reminded of, I wasn't old enough to know this, I'm just knowing it from, from history, but in the 70s, President Nixon created what was called an enemies list, And I remember reading historical accounts, because I was like three at the time, but uh, I was a little older than three, maybe six. But at the time, uh, about the Washington Post going crazy about issues related to uh, President Nixon having this list. But doesn't Attorney General Merrick Garland right now have the same type of list? I mean, he's accusing parents— of being domestic terrorists, and he's using the power of the Attorney General's office to go after and to instruct federal authorities to investigate parents who are involved in their kids' curriculum at school. You want to talk about something that's going to encourage parents to homeschool? My goodness, if you want to go to a school board meeting and question a school board about what's being taught, and you're going to be called and labeled a domestic terrorist, and investigated by the federal government, you're just going to pull your kids out and say, we're going to homeschool. So that's that's really going to be driving this issue when it comes to homeschooling, is whether we're going to declare war on parents. And, you know, there's one other point I want to make on this. Think about the perspective of progressives when it comes to this issue. Their perspective is, parents, we're in charge of the teaching of your kids. You are not to be involved in what we teach them. You're not to know what we're teaching them. And if you object, we're going to investigate you for domestic terrorism. That's the position of the progressives on this point. And that's outrageous that that they're coming from the position that says, you as a parent can't even know what your kids are being taught at school. You need to leave it in our hands. We are the professionals here, Parents of America. We will we look at your children as skulls full of mush, and we shall fill their brains with liberal doctrine. That's just an outrageous perspective for parents to have, I mean, for uh, school officials to have, that you as the parent should not be involved with the education of your children. I would think The parents, or rather the teachers that I've known over the years, I even have relatives that are teachers, they want parents to be involved in their education. They want their parents to be instructing their children in addition to what's being taught at school, but apparently not the progressive left. Hey, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about this day in history, Congress investigates communists in Hollywood. I'm going to talk about that a little bit and tie it into what's happening today. Brad Young, at your service here this evening on X. We'll be right back. We're back to At Your Service. And uh, we're going to go back to the phone lines because uh, David has been calling in, been holding for a while through the break. Hey, David, welcome to X.
0: Hi. Glad you let me to come on. Thank sure. You. What's
2: on your mind this evening?
0: Well... I'm a family doctor, but I am part of a group called CARES, which is Change in Action for Racial Equity. Uh, I joined the, last year after being in an A-Bar program, which is anti-bias, anti-racist program at my congregation, where we had people from the community, black people, white people, uh, and other races. I joined this group to learn about the black community and mm-hmm. what they've gone through. I spent the last year studying things like this critical race theory issue, uh, learning about Rockwood School District. And, you know, when I heard your caller, the, your speaker talk about how, uh, people are being labeled as domestic terrorists, St. Louis, I'm, I, I guess you saw, did you see the article in Time Magazine, the cover article in Time Magazine about Rockwood School District? We made the national news because of the, uh, the threats against teaching, uh, I guess, Equity. I don't know if you want to call it critical race theory because critical race theory is not really taught. That's an academic pursuit that they teach teachers in in higher levels. But students are not being taught. You know, fifth graders are not being taught that they're the oppressors. That's just not happening. The correct history needs to be taught. The uh, I think the parents would benefit probably from learning something about this. Maybe, I don't know if you've seen Emmanuel Echo, the football player's book, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. That's a great book because it's not very threatening and it covers a lot of issues about history that shows us that we got to do a lot better job of teaching in the schools. In University City, where I live, they they taught critical race theory in one of the, or not, they taught the 1619 Project in one of the high school language classes and the students wrote about it students we've got to trust the students they're not they're not dumb but
2: but david but i got I, I, you know. david i i i have to disagree with you because the teaching of the of the 1619 project is mm-hmm. just factually incorrect our country was not founded in 1619 the 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 revolutionary war which is part of the 1619 project is taught that this, that the revolutionary war was fought so that slave owners could maintain control of slaves that's just factually wrong, and yet
0: that is Okay, well, I, I would. It, uh, that's I factually would agree. wrong. I would agree that that's not, and that's not the basis of what they're teaching. Well, it is. What I, I, I've Rockwood, seen the curriculum. Let me, let me
2: just get David. I've seen the David, the David. David, okay, I'm answering so. your question. I've so. actually seen the text of of what has been taught in the curriculum when schools are being taught the 1619 Project. And on multiple schools across the country, they are being taught that the the focus of the Revolutionary War was to maintain control of slaves. And, David, that's just factually wrong. And to teach that is a bastardization of history, to teach something that's factually wrong uh, in order to advance a theory. It's just wrong, David. And, And... and if you acknowledge that it's wrong, but you still support the teaching of, of the 1619 project, I don't see how you can reconcile those two positions.
0: Well, I, I would say let's leave, let's leave the 1619 project because I want to go to the broader issue. I mean, the, the more important issue that, that came up was about the domestic terrorism. In St. Louis, in the Rockwood School District, they literally drove out the new— the new superintendent of the schools and the equity person had to quit because of threat death threats against them. And the teachers had to hire private security in their neighborhoods because of death threats against them because they were, te- had a curriculum that taught more black history. They weren't teaching the 1619 project. They weren't telling students that they were the oppressors, but the threats from the parents through the school board and through this, you know, the organized parents were so so vitriolic that they, te- that they chased out the superintendent and people had to hire private security. So if you want to call it domestic terrorism, I, I don't think, you know, I didn't call it that. What I called it was a shame and the fact that St. Louis made the made the main article in Time magazine. Yeah, well, the, that's great the question school district. that I would have, the, great the, the
2: question sure is, that's right near where I live. And the question mm-hmm. that I would have is how those school officials characterize threats because if you look at if you look at what's going on on college campuses today if someone shows up and speaks as a conservative they consider that a threat just because they're talking about conservative ideals and so i would really question the extent to which any of those things were actually voiced as threats Or were the parents just asserting that I don't want kids taught this false information in our school district and it was interpreted as a threat? I would really like to see that distinction. I mean, for example, look, this is from the New York Times Magazine. It's not exactly Fox News. And New York Times Magazine in August of 2019 talked about the 1619 Project, and I'm quoting, aims to reframe the country's history by placing the consequences of slavery and the contributions of black Americans at the center of the United States national narrative. And the point is, is there's nothing wrong with the teaching of black history. But when you're trying to reframe history to categorize what people are doing today in terms of what slavery did 200 years ago, David, that's just wrong. And and I'm going to stand up against that, and I'm going to shout it from the mountaintops that that is simply wrong.
0: Okay, can I—in terms of that, I think that what we haven't taught— Okay. What we have not taught and we have not understood was the continuing impact. Okay, the continuing impact of what happened then and what happened over the last hundred years, uh, including, like in St. Louis, for instance, real estate laws that perpetuated, uh, at, you know, basically segregation. St. Louis is the most segregated city around, I think. But but, but those yes. those didn't start just those didn't start now. Those things did not start now, and if you don't understand those things, and I studied that ever since college, I'm I, I'm fifty years out of college. I, I studied in law school. I go I'm back Very in familiar with it. You know, and the thing is, if you don't study this, if you don't study, and, and when they say center the the conversation, which is I've learned from my uh, progressive relatives, okay, uh, if, when they say center something, they don't mean making it the only conversation. What they mean is that you take people that have been marginalized and you bring out their story where we can all see it so people understand it. does isn't what again, center I means. Disagree I disagree that they're making dissipators feel like they're the oppressors. That's not the point. The point is to understand, which is what I've learned in my, in my CARES group, is that, that we, if we learn about things, and that's why I joined it, was basically to learn about things. If we learn about it and we know more about it, then we can maybe make some changes because we have a long way to go in St. Louis, and we have a long way to go in the country. We do, but, but the I, things I'm that you mentioned, David.
2: David, the things that you mentioned, like the legal restrictions on African Americans, those things were legally mm-hmm. phased out forty years ago, and I studied these in law school, and they were, and they've all been held now to be invalid under the law. And yet, if you the continuing teaching of those things is really done to to demonstrate the oppressiveness that's going on today, and in fact. One of the one of the core elements of the sixteen nineteen project is the teaching that the idea of capitalism in of itself is oppressive to minorities, and that is simply false. Hey, David, we're coming All up right, here on I, a hard break. well I, we're coming up on okay, a hard break I, you got you got twenty seconds.
0: Okay, twenty seconds. Um, right now, if a black person puts their house on the market, their houses their valuation is twenty percent less than a white person's unless they have a white person at the house at the time it's evaluated uh that happens right now false. so it hasn't ended it has not ended we still have a lot to learn about it false. and i appreciate the chance to get to come on your David, show thank I you i appreciate so
2: much. it thanks for calling in appreciate that
0: mm-hmm.
2: what he just said in my mind is false it's false now If you want to talk about our African-Americans primarily living in areas that are of depressed value, who could disagree with that? And should they be allowed to live anywhere they want? Absolutely, 100% agree. But the assertion that just based on the color of the skin of the person who lists the house, it's going to have a 20% difference in value, I don't believe that in any way. I simply don't believe it. And I would want to see the 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 I would want to see the evidence on that, not just an assertion from someone who calls in. Now, when you look at this sixteen nineteen project from the beginning to the end, it is rooted in Marxism. It is rooted in an anti capitalism uh, uh, viewpoint that says that capitalism in of itself is discriminatory, is oppressive. And yet, when you look across the world right now, capitalism is the greatest. Uh, a a freedom generator that this planet has ever seen or ever known. You want to see the effects of socialism? Go look in Venezuela. (laughs) Now you're going to see empty store shelves and starving people. Brad Young here at your service. Phone lines are open. 314-436-7900 on KMOX. KMOX.